Welcome to the Lola Community Podcast. In this podcast, we will have questions, quotes, and conversations between different people, and your host will be Pleasant Selecki. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, you guys. It's Pleasant, and I'm excited for today's episode because I really do consider Jay Brown an old yoga friend. Three years ago, or two and a half years ago, Jay interviewed me for his podcast, Yoga Talks, right after my book came out, and uh, I feel like I was in a really different place. Uh, The studio had recently closed, and we talked about um, service justice and running a yoga center. So now having him on the Lola conversations, the Lola community podcast was super fun because I got to ask him about how what he is thinking about the trends in yoga, what his real life looks like as a father, as a business owner. Um, I love talking with Jay about yoga and it's so fun just to have someone who has the history and the depth of knowledge and the passion. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this. Also, I love having guys on. This is something I've learned. Uh, I had my husband on and Jay. Um, so if you have other people that you recommend, send them my way. I'd love to talk to them this season. All right. Take care. Enjoy the show. Okay. Hi, Jay Brown. <laughs> Hi, Pleasant. <laughs> You've been Hi. in my ears for so long. How cool is that? I mean, we've known each other for a while. You were on the podcast in the early times. <laughs> but um, it's nice to know that you've been uh, hanging out with me and along for a bit of a ride, especially recently. Well, we yeah. you've had a lot to dig into recently. And our um, colleagues have been providing you a tremendous amount of information from which to have conversations about for better or worse. So I'm really grateful that you're bringing a lot of the current issues to light and uh, inviting people to come on and have really open, authentic conversations around the abuse that's been going on in some of our lineages. And um, I just really appreciate that. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I would say I didn't I didn't really set out to do that. I just, you've been listening. So, you know, it's been kind of this process where in the earlier times, I just wanted to have everybody like me and, and, and buddy up to everybody and be everyone's friend. And I still do that. Like anybody, that's always the spirit of anybody coming on the podcast, even if we disagree profoundly on things would be that we could still be friends. So I I am trying to befriend people, but the issue is that there were people who were coming on who had you know, I don't know if you want to call them skeletons in their closets or what you call it, or there was issues around uh, things that were happening and that people were affected by that. And then I realized there was a responsibility that I was, I kept saying, oh, I'm not a journalist. I'm just some guy in my boxers in my uh, basement, right? But the reality of it was there was like a lot of people listening and I did become a bit of a platform. So there was a responsibility to that, that I've been on a a learning curve with, (laughs) but I have been very transparent about that. As you know, people who've listened along the way, they are like, they kind of get like, yeah, Jay's trying really, you know, or whatever. But for me, it has been an education process. And that's, I'm, 
I'm grateful for it. That's why I started the podcast in a way. It, like it's serving me and I'm learning about this stuff. And so I have stepped into some difficult waters, but as difficult as they are, I feel like there's this positive to it because there are these conversations happening and I'm learning and I'm just betting people listening or thinking about stuff and having similar experiences too. Um, so let me back up a little bit. One of the things I wanted to do was start with this quote. So in 2019, um, the format will be around questions and quotes and sort of weaving together some of these questions about our lives and then also bringing forth some of the teaching. So of course, since we're talking about yoga today, or maybe not, but a little bit, thematic possibly. Of course um, we're talking about yoga. It's all plays it's all yoga, yoga all the time. Um, I pulled a quote from my beloved Eric Schiffman. So here's what he says. Yoga is a way of moving into stillness in order to experience the truth of who you are. So I want to ask you, what is yoga? What do you, how do you define it? How do you talk about it? And what has it brought to your life? Wow. Well, first of all, I, I appreciate that quote from Eric too. He's, he's somebody I can very much get on board with on a very fundamental philosophical level. Um, I think for me, you know, how I would answer your question would depend on who I was talking to. (laughs) I've got like a lot of different iterations of how I might tell someone what yoga is or what I do. Cause that's usually the more of the conversation. It's not usually, Oh, what's yoga. It's, now it's more like what kind of yoga <laughs> or people are, it's much more in an earlier time I was explaining people what yoga was. Now people are kind of like, Oh, what sort of yoga do you do? Cause they already know there's lots of different types. So a lot of times it's sort of cluing someone in if I can to what I'm doing, which is often just about trying to get the people who would be interested in what I'm doing to me. And you know, if I don't, it's not a great situation when someone comes with an expectation that you're not going to fulfill. But back to your question, to not be avoiding it, I would say, for me, I think of yoga, well, I would think of yoga as sort of the fact of the matter. Like, I don't really do yoga. I think of yoga as the way that things are. You know, my breath's happening, my heart's beating, my eyes are seeing, my hair is growing the wind is blowing, all of that. Like you could, I sometimes instead of the word union, want to use the word nature, like capital N. Mm. Like to me that, if I was trying to give yoga a definition. Now what Eric was talking about felt more like what practicing is about. And for me, practicing yoga is not so much about trying to still things. I get a little bit worried about that, but for me, it's about an intimate participation in this fact of it, like my breath happens by itself, but then I can engage it consciously as a thing that I do, as a practice or a ritual. And that intimate participation, that intimacy, that uh, nurturing intimacy, hopefully, (laughs) um, is what then I think provides this idea of stillness that people point to or something. But I never am going for stillness. I'm just participating in in kind of the miracle of it as what I'm doing as opposed to just, oh, as it, it's a fact and it's happening and I'm not doing it. But no, I, I actually 
have romantic time or something with myself in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the layers of it in terms of even how you started with who are we talking to and how are we talking about it? Because sometimes, especially in DC, I'll be somewhere and someone will say, what do you do? And I don't so often now identify as a yoga teacher, but in the past when I did, um, people would say, oh, you know, I hate either two things. I hate yoga. I can't touch my toes or I love yoga. I do hot, sweaty, core power or Bikram seven times a week, four times a day. You know, like I get these extremes a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And now, so many years later, when we talk, when I talk about it, I sort of just like get all, just like you said, romantic. I just kind of laugh and smile because it's infused so much of lifestyle and so much of presence in relationships and food and nature and daily life that the mat practice is such a small piece that is ever evolving as my body gets older and changes. And it's just this fascinating exploration. It's just so fun and interesting. And I feel like so many of the, stu the studio-based model that we were such a big part of and owning studios and, and being part of that was so limiting. It's like now that I, I have, I'm free, it's like I'm free. And I feel like Eric always talks about surfing on the yoga mat. And when you take classes and workshops with him, you know, he'll just put on loud music and you. Uh, oh yeah, freedom style. I just had Anne on. We talked all about freedom style. Yes, exactly. And you just float or surf or wave or move or breathe or stand still, whatever. But that experience of being in your own presence in your own life is also what I hear that you're saying, you know? I think that's right. And a lot of people are like using the word somatic or embodied or all yeah. these different words. And it's funny, you know, since I sold the center, I did go back, I spent a year just teaching in centers, like three local centers. Yeah. And I just like went back to being a teacher like before I had a center, but things were like, so different yeah. like 10 years later and I have one class still at one center but I otherwise I just have my own space now that I do small classes out of and it's not a center though it's just me it's in and it's like three classes a week you know and then I produce podcasts and stuff out of there and then but the one class I have at the center when I first was there you know they didn't know what to call me yeah. so first I was slow flow yeah. Right. That was like the catch all. But now they, they actually switched it because the, the owner's husband comes regular and we're friends and he really digs what I do. Um, and, and so they kind of wanted to change the name and I was like, Oh, that's fine. I don't care. Now it's called mindful movement. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's just very interesting. Like it, it's sort of what you're saying in a sense of like why maybe sometimes you're not identifying as a yoga teacher or kind of opening it up. And I think you're right. I noticed it for me when like I went to pick up my daughter from school and I'm like standing next to like the other parents and getting into conversations with them and they'll say, Oh, what do you do? And I'll say, I'm a yoga teacher. And like, first they're surprised cause I don't like look like what they think a yoga teacher is going to be or sound like what they think a yoga teacher is going to be. And then in talking to them, it's like, Oh, they they're like, Oh, you're into like pain relief and like stress reduction. I, I need that. I've got like low back pain. I'm fucking freaking out. And, and then I, they, none of them go to the yoga center though, which is just down the way. They don't go there because they don't even, they don't even think of it as that. 
they, they have a different idea about what yoga is and what they're supposed to be doing and what kind of body they're supposed to have and all that. And so I found, oh, isn't that wild? The people, like I've shifted away from that. I'm a little bit, it's funny, I was just in um, Australia, New Zealand, and I was working with people who work with Donna Fari, who's similar to Eric and that she's like gone the whole somatic direction. So her students, they're accustomed to what you're talking about. Like, they're not accustomed to a teacher telling them what to do. So basically, a teacher will present them with something or like Eric just put music on or like whatever. And then it's like, go explore. And so their practice has become that. So me, I would come and they like dig my talk. They like what I talk about. But the actual practice I do is still one foot in the other thing. Like I am telling people what to do, but what I'm telling them to do is like, you don't have to do it and you can do it differently. You know what I'm saying? But I am deciding like a program of asana that we're gonna do. That's kind of this set little thing, but you, you totally don't have to stick to it. So I'm kind of one foot in the old, the other way where the teacher has the sequence and tells you what to do and one foot in the somatic realm of like, but you totally don't have to do any of this and maybe it's useful and maybe it's not. So, I'm, so someone said to me, oh, Jay, you're kind of like an intervention for power vinyasa people. And I was like, oh, that is kind of a little bit of my story, you know, <laughs> but I am more and more moving in this, how do I empower people to do what you're talking about, which is to be able to have their own self-discovery. And I kind of don't care what we call it, but I do also want it. To be, it is still yoga for me. So I am still going to call myself a yoga teacher because that's what it is to me, even if it's problematic in public perceptions. Yeah. And the stress, it's so funny that you said that about the stress management, because I'm like very heavily steeped in Ayurveda now and teaching a lot of lifestyle Ayurveda and really integrating it. And I can't use necessarily that language because a lot of people have never heard the word or know how to pronounce it or spell it. So I came up with holistic self-care because essentially that's what Ayurveda daily rhythm and ritual is. It's just you know, looking at it from, oh, this is the language that they speak. And then they say, oh, I'm interested in that. And then we can go from there. So, um, well, you know, my, my producer, Josh and I, we've had this conversation in the past when we were sort of trying to talk about how we might get what I do out to people. Yeah. And we sort of had like three groups, you know, you had like group one, which is like people who already know about you. You have group two who are like, yoga people who are maybe not so far from you and don't know about you. And then you have group three or people like non yoga people. Yeah. And <laughs> it sounds like you and me too are kind of interested in that group three where like we, we were in group one and group two for a long while. And we, we developed practices that we felt are kind of more accessible. And we do feel like those are the people who are more interested in it. So it's interesting what we're talking about and finding even just what you call it and how you put it out there and, and wow. kind of really shaping who shows up, which is, I guess, the idea. Well, I think also I've just had a lot of um, realizations, especially over the past six months, because I feel like I've read a lot more or it's been coming into my realm around increased rates of suicide, anxiety, and depression across pretty much every category. And for me as a social scientist and someone who loves humans, um, that's not okay on so many levels. 
especially when we have wisdom traditions that can help our lives. And so I feel like we have, we have to figure this out. We can't just speak in jargon and unrelatable words or topics when we have tools that can actually help people with these, with their lives. And so I had to find a way to speak and, and sort of be more of this earth and not so out there um, in order to say, okay, here's some practical breathing techniques. Again, we, we can call it, I call it, this is, I learned it from the yoga philosophy, but we can talk about it from the physiobiology. We can talk about it from uh, just any level stress, but you know, just using the language has felt so important. And the more that I see, listen, if the research wasn't hurting my heart, I would let, I don't know, go to a beach and write books and relax and enjoy my life. But we have a tremendous amount of crisis in, I feel, as someone who's passionate about all these studies and had the privilege to learn and study, like a real responsibility to help get this work out in the world. Well, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. I remember when you came on my podcast and we talked about you being in the schools and stuff. And I think you're right. I think there is like this high level of anxiety, like more than other times in my adult life. Uh, I experience it myself. There's all kinds of kind of crazy political things happening that feel very confusing and frightening. And, you know, you certainly have it playing out. Even, you know, I alluded at the beginning, I'm doing these conversations on the podcast and a lot of people kind of come at me and sometimes I just feel like people need a place they need a place to put it. We, you know, we need somewhere to put all this turmoil <laughs> within us. And I think you're right. I've tried a lot of different things in my life to deal with inner turmoil and to feel like a better sense of myself and to have like a more state of balance in how I operate. And I haven't found anything as useful as like these yoga practices I do and teach. And there is always that very natural impulse when you actually are finding something that's useful and helping you and you want to honor it. Like it feels like a gift. It feels like something that maybe like, why do I deserve to have that? And other, all these other people don't seem to have it. And so there's a natural, natural drive as you're describing to want to share in that because it's not just for you. It's, for everybody and we all know that like in some roundabout way that's also going to be how we would address stuff all these issues and this, where the sources of this anxiety are from and i think yoga is a lot about that we do that in ourselves on a micro level kind of dig in and see if we can find like what is all coming from <laughs> can i address the source of the matters and then that would then be a model for a macro thing where we could get to the source of some of these bigger issues that we're all kind of being subject to. Yeah, especially being living in DC, ground zero <laughs> right mm -hmm. now. Um, again, just kind of being able to wake up every day and say, what can I do in the neighborhood, in the home? How can I use these tools? And I think also just in terms of if there's any yoga teachers listening in our community is that I also, as I noticed more core powers and yoga works moving into DC and less homes and a variety of other mom and pop type shops, um, as they were dissolving and, and corporate was coming in, um, I also realized 
now looking back that I had to also start learning and investigating about other wisdom traditions so that I could bring a richer, like a depth to what I was teaching and how I was teaching um, for my own knowledge. And I think partly for my own trust, because some I had been disillusioned with what was happening in yoga in the industry in DC, industry in capitals quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, ha- I sort of left the studio and when we talked, I had, I wrote this book to sort of move away from what I was seeing in yoga and then started this deep dive in all of these other wisdom traditions and paths to see what was happening in the science and just kind of look around a little bit. And it all brought me home back to the same teachings. Like there's so much shared universal truth (laughs) amongst uh, a number of the traditions. So it's been awesome to feel that and then kind of embody that as you move forward when you say, okay, here's how they talk about when we're talking about lineage, here's what we're talking about with daily practices or, or seasonal practices or food. And it comes through in all of these different ways. And that's been awesome. And I think I just had to kind of open up a little because I really fell in a yoga, like just down the hole where I was like, this is the way because it heal. It was so healing to my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I mean, well, what you're saying to me is a conversation I've been having with Josh a lot too, where we're just talking about depth versus reach. Yeah. So, you know, when we had those centers, it started out as just a depth thing. It's just us very personal there pretty much six, seven days a week, nursing it like a baby, nursing it like a baby and loving it and nurturing it and all kinds of great things happening there. But then, as you said, the the market changed very drastically. And then you had other people come in who they were operating on a different model. When you got like VC money behind you, that's not about adapting. That's about a reach thing. So then it became, we went from people studying with teachers and having relationships with teachers to selling memberships. So, you know, it really did take a shift. And what you're talking about is very much what I'm doing too, in some regards. I mean, I'm still holding a yoga flag, as I said, but at the same time, it's like, oh no, you don't need reach. And and the stuff that they do online that make yoga teachers think they're gonna get reach, like social media, which is maybe like a whole other episode or something, because. I think that that's bogus. I think it's a myth, this idea of reach, and you don't need a reach. You know, I don't know if you know this thing, 1,000 true fans, but you don't need big reach to, to have a, even make a living, frankly. No. You need depth. And so what you're talking about when you say, I opened it up and I studied more and I looked into myself deeper and I had to question, even me, I mentioned, you know, like, oh, I'm sort of one foot in both. I'm like, okay, well, do I have anything to teach people who aren't vinyasa people? Like, you have to grow. <laughs> and, and, and if you're locked in because of your brand or whatever, like if your brand means you have to teach the thing that you no longer do, you're kind of screwed. So again, when you have depth and it's about the inquiry and you're sharing in that and people are benefiting and learning from that and learning how to have similar inquiry in themselves, then I think you don't want to do things that is about reach. You want to do things that are about depth and more real, like someone giving you their email address. That's actually a, a real thing, like a like or a follow, not a real thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> Just, I know. You know what I'm saying? I, I've been doing all this experimenting. I'm yeah, pretty much yeah. off social media right now. It's just like, it's like, wow, wait a second. If you really 
get past the emotional response of like, oh my God, I'm almost to 5,000 friends. What do you mean I'm not gonna be answering these friend requests? If you get past that and you really like are honest with yourself about it, wow, it's totally inflated numbers and it's not real. So I don't know, I've been going through a major evolution and it is to what you're saying in terms of going for a depth situation and a resonance situation more than this model of reach and grow or die. I just got off, it's December, mid-December now-ish, and November I took off social media as a, as a real like put up my dukes to all the business coaches who say you have to be on social because mm. I was like, I'm so tired of hearing that. I, I'm one of those super annoying people that really does love like visuals and I love sharing my life and I don't like see social as like something I compete with. I don't follow any Instagram yogi. I don't follow anyone who doesn't make me feel awesome. That's just kind of my rule. So going online for me, working from home alone and spending so much time alone, like it's often fun and I love to see my friends. So However, I still wanted to experiment with a month off and watch like my own energy, my own revenue, sort of the metrics that people say why you can't get off or what, why you need it, you know, and November was my best month of the year. I know. Here's a crazy thing. You had the same experience (laughs) that I did. It's crazy. Listen, I've been off for a couple months now. And first, uh, you know, my producer convinced me to stop posting the podcast on there. Yeah. which I did from the very beginning. And so I was like, why? I want, I want the podcast to get out there. I want as many people to listen to the podcast. Why wouldn't I be posting out on the podcast? He's like, we got to find out where people are coming from. You got to turn the spigots off. So we stopped posting the podcast out. And you know what? No change to the download numbers whatsoever. If you really look at it, that's not where people find your podcast. And then we started doing other things. And eventually we even did an Instagram campaign because you read, oh, Instagram where it's happening now. It's not on Facebook now. It's on Instagram. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do those selfie fucking videos. Excuse my language. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss in your podcast or not. You do selfie videos. I was like, he's like, this is what you got to do, Jay. You got to like, when you're doing these traveling gigs and you're going to Japan, you got it from the airport. You got to be like, hey, everybody, I'm on the airport. I'm I'm not doing it. I was like, Josh, I'm not doing it. So he says, all right, listen, so we, we get together on, on like a Skype and he helps coach me through doing some of these things. <laughs> so we do these videos from the thing. And when we worked, we got 1,100 followers in a month trying okay. to get more followers. And it worked. And you know what? No increase in download numbers, no increase in sales, just wow. increase in followers. So wow. we turn everything off. No, I'm not doing anything. I'm not posting. I'm not liking. I'm not accepting friend requests. Sometimes I go on to see just in case, but I'm not barely even doing that. And you know what? We had bumps up in everything. We had bumps up in sales. We had bumps up in download numbers. And we had bumps up in email subscriptions. And it sort of seems like it's a, it's a leaky boat, as Josh says. Why do you think? I have a hypothesis for mine. Why do you think for your... I think that it goes back to what I said about this. It goes back to depth versus reach mm-hmm. and 100 true fans. You see, Facebook is built on the mm-hmm. myth of reach. So I post out my blog and it says 20,000 people reached. And I go, wow, oh my God. But it's not a real number that if you really dial it down and you look, the real number is probably around 5,000. I have 4,500, 4,600 people on my email list. 
it's it's it created a thing in my mind that makes me think it's doing something that it's not and it's it's hard it's it's even hard like if you wanted to like clean your email list because there's all these people who don't open them right yes. it's like a it's an ego thing and it hurts because you worked hard to build it up and there's reasons to sometimes keep those old email addresses i'm not saying we should delete all the old email addresses but i'm yeah. i'm just saying that like for me I don't know. It, 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 I think that the social media actually, it pulls people in a, a direction away from the depth and the connection we're talking about on a very fundamental level, because it's almost like, oh, if people are experiencing you on Facebook, they're like, oh, I get what Pleasance does on Facebook. I don't need to be on her email list. I don't even need to go to her class. I, just, I support her like. Yeah. And, and, and when, when it's not there and, and people find out about you, and maybe some people don't have other way. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm in a very privileged place to have a podcast and a blog that people are, for some reason, paying attention to. So I don't know that everybody's in the same boat. I should say that. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I think on a very core level, the social media has been quite a bit of a dupe. We've all been kind of duped by it. And I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't help independent folks like us in the ways that we think it does. And those coaches who are saying that to the life coaches, business coaches, same that they're saying to the yoga teachers. I think, I think that model worked at some point. You see, at some point someone did that when no one else was doing it and it worked and that's the model. But you see, what works is not what's, our, it's what's not being done. It's the new thing now is going to be the thing that we would want to be doing, not the thing that is tired and doesn't work anymore. So I feel like a lot of that is like really extractive crap that people are putting out there. It's not, you know, I know maybe it's well-intentioned, but I feel like it's, it's not accurate. Yeah. And I think what I noticed was the listening and the focus and the depth of the actual community. And what I noticed was paying attention to what our community and students and groups um, really were asking for was what then I was writing about or offering. And that's why I was so laser focused on our people who were actually showing up that I was able to create things of value that were al in alignment with like what we teach and what our community does. So for us, it was a really like, oh, this is, this matters, this showing up and this attention that distraction can pull us from. Um, let me give you a really great example of what we're talking about because I have this like teachers class now where teachers come and each week we have like a, a call like a group call and we hash stuff out and these teachers they don't have people to talk to and stuff and so we've been having this similar kind of conversation because they're like how do I get more people to come to my class yeah. and they're like trying to spend money on Facebook ads and I'm like no that's not how I think it's going to work and so I was sort of, I had this idea that I never actually even implemented. It was just an idea that I, I still plan to do at some point because I wanted, my studio is in like a really not gentrified place. That's why the rent is so cheap. And so the neighborhood people are, it's a challenge for me to get them to come, I think. So I want to try to do it, but I haven't put that much. I've only been there in a few months and I got, a, I'm planning some stuff. Yeah. And so one of my plans I shared with them was I want to do a lemonade stand with my daughters. I just want to go there and sell 25 cent cups of lemonade and talk to people and give them a free class. I feel like that's probably the best way to get some people showing up to my class more than a Facebook post. And one of the teachers felt really inspired. So she didn't do a lemonade stand. But what she did was she had this big plant 
in her backyard that she loves. It's like her favorite plant on the planet. And so she made cuttings and clones of this plant put them in these pots and tied them with a bow and put her card there. And she went down to like her town like hall where they have like the festival every Sunday. And she sat at a table and she gave away free plants. You know what? She got three privates out of it. And I'm like, there's no way she would have ever gotten that from a Facebook post. And I just think that old school. I'm saying, yeah. And it's actually, I feel like that's sort of for folks like us, if yeah. we're not, I mean, I think there's other tracks. I don't want to naysay totally, totally, totally. people who teach at other centers or bigger places or any of that stuff. Cause there's other ways people are doing it too, but to totally DIY, like a lot of us, yeah. what we're talking about to me is the only like viable way forward, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think it's what you're saying. Like there's a lot of ways. We're not saying this is the way, but there's, but one of the traps that I was getting in, in that transition was there is one way and social is the way. I mean, that's what yeah. was being said. And so yeah. also I have here, hold on, I got to peel it off. This little sign that says creator or consumer. Yeah. And I think of this because um because using the social using some of the platforms is really just being a consumer of their businesses and and of of, and then being also on the receiving end of people trying to sell to me to make me feel scarce when i have all i need right here you know and and similar like i i really um honor the time that i have been on the ground studying and teaching in order to build a list that provides a community, right? Is that there was 10 years of showing up and doing free classes at Whole Foods or do or the center or doing festivals or farmers markets. Like there was a lot of on the ground that then brings you to a place. And that's what I wanna have conversations about is all the different ways that people um, make their lives work, especially when their, their passion is around an industry that has a lot of scarcity and then tremendous sort of false abundance because it's not actually um, like mom and pop, it's more the VC and the bigger money. So it's just an interesting time to, if you love questions and you love uh, having conversations with people about this, I think it's very interesting because there's unknown, old schools working and uh, it's, and you don't also have to hustle. Like I don't use that language. I'm not a fan of um, women in business or men, but I specifically work with women talking about, well, I have to hustle all the time. Uh, I hear you. I've been really interested this guy, David Silvers, and he wrote this piece called subtract. It's all about subtracting Mm. things, not adding things. But I really like what you're saying, particularly about like the sort of shift on social media, because I feel like, there is this blurred thing between friends and customers and clients. And it used to be just connecting to my old high school friends. And then now suddenly like unwittingly we've all become marketers. And so then there's this only putting forth the best possible image of yourself where everybody's able to control what they are online, like their digital presence. And that's why the podcast has done so well, I think, because I wanted to like unwrap, you know, my whole thing is I don't want people to be on script. And when we have an hour and a half conversation, like we're having now or whatever, you can't 
you can't just put forth the photoshopped image of you <laughs> doing that perfect pose with the text imposed on top. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it and it, and so I think in a way it just ties into this depth versus reach thing and people being more honest about how yoga is really playing out in their lives and not trying to have it be some, like not trying to be a marketer, like, yeah. like they do at big corporations. Like we, we've corporatized ourselves yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about decorporatizing our inner structures, you know, like, and trying to get more for me, I just like, trying to find ways to be more collective and peer to peer. And then that's expressing in the business side of it, you know? Yeah. Um, can we talk about your family life a little bit and sure. sort of parenting and how I obviously get to speak to women all the time about how they integrate their practice with all of their roles. So I'd really be interested to hear your perspective um, around the move. So you were living in New York and now you're in Pennsylvania and how has that kind of impacted your, the pace and just kind of anything you want to share on that? Well, I mean, the move from the city to a slower life has been really great. I do not regret it for a second and I, I don't miss being in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I, I can walk five to 10 minutes and be on a hike in a forest. I've never had that before because I grew up in the suburbs and then moved to the big city it's not super, super rural. It's only an hour and 45 minutes away from the city. Yeah. I could drive there. People think of Pennsylvania as being really far, but like I'm not that much farther than Queens is, you know, like in a sense, you know, depending on which direction you're driving in. So I'm really not that far away, but it, it, it definitely feels in the middle. It feels in the middle between rural and city, and that was kind of what we're shooting for. Moderation, the middle path, the middle I think. I think it's been great for my girls. My eldest is turning nine in two weeks. My other one turned uh, four last month. And, you know, after our, my eldest's first, um, first school year here, we, I have this great house and the school's right down the street. She walks by herself. Um, and, and so she, I asked her, I said, well, in your mind, what, what's been the biggest difference between living in Brooklyn and living in Pennsylvania. And she said, well, in Brooklyn, everybody was busy all the time and we always had to try to schedule everything. And sometimes here in Pennsylvania, I can just ask if we wanna have a play date after school and we can just play. And I was like, okay, there you go. And so I think that in terms of just the shift and the, the choice of shifting life and having the courage to do that and a lighter time in my life, which was sort of the scary part, was the right choice and i knew it was the right choice anybody listening at the time remember even when i was the most freaked out and crying in the intros <laughs> i still always knew i was this is the right i i went to that place of knowing in yourself and so i never have had everything's been working out because i do think i made my choices from there and and that is where my yoga practice integrates you see my ability to make those choices for myself and my family is because i've developed some skills in myself that helped me do that at a really, really hard pivotal fork in my life, you know, midlife crisis yeah. place at an inflection point when I needed it most, you know, those, those uh, facility in myself was there. So I'm super grateful. We made it through this first year here now, and I feel a little bit more settled in. 
I would say quite honestly, and I just was sort of talking about it this week, I am yeah. still struggling with like life work balance on a very real level. And, you know, there's been like a couple occasions and I'm currently in one right now where I've been neglectful and I just, I got all the stuff I'm doing. It's very exciting. And I'm putting out stuff that I feel passionate about, but it's like my head's in the laptop and I'm not present. And I was having a conversation with like uh, Donna Fari's partner. As a matter of fact, I got to go hang out with her recently. I was like, and he's got children and they're older. They're like 23 and stuff. And they've been having this whole process where they've been like really talking in like a person to person way, like maybe the first time she was telling him about this period of time in her childhood. And basically like there's this moment where she came running in to show him something and he was too busy and he just didn't really pay attention. And then she stopped showing him stuff after that. And he just didn't know that, you know? And I feel like I've definitely been a bit guilty of that recently. And so, you know, I just, like my daughter's turning nine in two weeks. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I think if I ask her about this period of time years from now, yes. it's a very good chance she's just going to say, well, you were never around dad. Even though I'm here, <laughs> but I'm not, yeah. you know. So that's like the current challenge right now. And I've been trying to make some efforts. Like, so I mentioned that thing about subtracting things and just yes. sort of like, trying to prioritize it more. I mean, I feel very confident about my relationships with them. You know, the other positive side of it is I never really practice yoga with my daughters. I never try to teach them yoga. It just, it never makes sense. I'm their dad. I'm not trying to be their yoga teacher. I've always, and they never even see me practicing, you know, cause I don't, it's just the way our life is. They don't see me doing my practice. And I worry about them like, well, maybe they're not learning yoga. And I, I, well, I might teaching yoga to the world, but not my own kids. <laughs> And then my daughter had this assignment at school and it was like, my dad is best at blank. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like looking through her folder, you know, and it, and it was there and said, uh, my dad is best at keeping calm. Mm. And I went, okay, <laughs> I think it's okay. I think they're getting something, you know, somehow. So anyways, I appreciate the question. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a householder path person you know i consider my family life my yoga cave yeah. and like all the work that i do to understand yoga it's, it's only so good as it's playing out in my life and so yeah. i consider what we're talking about here and me owning up to my misgiving and trying to see if i can address it and you know if my wife does the dinner makes the dinner i gotta wash the dishes don't be a dick come yeah. on you know, so it, it's little things and it's easy to rationalize it because I'm bringing in the money. You know what I'm saying? To be like, oh, I'm the one who's bringing in the money. So maybe she should just be the one who does the dishes. No, see, that's what I've been learning through the podcast where we started. You know, it's like, yeah, right. no, man, that's bullshit, man. That's not who you want to be. That's not, that's years later where your wife's full of resentment. Yes. That's not the healthy relationship that you want to have. That's not the yogi you want to be. So it is about, embodying these things not just in the writing i do or in the conversations i have or when i'm like in the practice space engaging with people in this inquiry of yoga but when i'm at home my wife doesn't think of me as yoga teachers the best thing it's like shut up mr yoga do the dishes that's what i need you know so to me all of that is my yoga practice and in a way my expression of it in my own life is actually far more important because otherwise everything I put out there is limited to that. Yeah. 
And I think it's such an important, I mean, I just think about it all the time is it doesn't matter what shapes your body can do if your relationships are a hot mess. <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. really practical and simple about some of this stuff. And that's why I'm relentless with asking those questions about relationships and like my poor husband i mean he's amazing because every sort of season when i'm like all right we got to get deeper we got i've read some of your posts i know he's like okay i'm in you know he's like where's the girl who was dancing on the bar who is this lady you know like i just evolved and and like 20 years in you're just deeper and you're in, in the intensity and I'm like, we got to connect at a deeper level now that I'm 40, finally. You know, I feel like I've been 40 my whole life. And now I finally can ask these questions without being like, why are you so young to ask that hard thing? But I think that's what I mean, though, is like, this is the time when I'm seeing that veering. When I, let me be clear, the majority of women that I spend time with are not in happy marriages right now. It is a very challenging time to be working raising children, managing the home, being in a relationship, trying to, you know, deal with body image as you get older, sexuality, all the real stuff of our life doesn't tend to bring these couples together who are in traditional, in my experience right now, who are in these traditional marriages. And we are being called to evolve. We are being called to raise each other and rise each other up with these phones, with, and for us, we love what we do. Like I could do this 24 seven is just have these conversations and go deeper. And then oh, all this stuff, I just love it so much, you know, mm -hmm. so that, you know, that we, we share in this, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it gets us off. It, it makes me yeah. feel like it's the most important conversation I think we could be having. Yeah. And to, to, for, uh, for Mel and I to just keep, for me to really keep activating our relationship is part of my commitment to my yoga practice mm -hmm. because uh, this is it. This is the mirror. This is where I'm showing up. This is the person who really sees what's happening behind the scenes with integrity, with humility, with how I treat my children or just all the layers of it. And so it's almost been one of those like, rebellious challenges for me too to say you know what we're gonna stay together and we're gonna stay together and it's gonna be messy and it might be there might be a lot of therapy involved and some yelling um but i think we you can don't do have it. to yell you don't have to yell i mean if you need to yell of course i mean you sometimes yell. You have, that's what i'm saying is like yeah. sometimes I, I have a lot of pizza so sometimes yeah. i yell and i slam i need a break that might be what i yell i need yeah. a break and i like walk out the front door but just being able to come home and keep coming back together. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, I just feel like it, it does require patience too. Like there's been times yeah. in the last year where I couldn't have said what I said to you. Like, and, it, and I needed, it, we needed to have, we need to be patient. And, and not that I'm saying we wouldn't, we wouldn't address these things, but sometimes I feel like when people hear what we've said, then there's this pressure and it's like another thing they're not doing good. And it turns into this spiral of like feeling crappy about themselves. And I wouldn't want to put that on anybody. I want us to like be super patient and forgiving while we do it, <laughs> you know, while we do what you're saying and ask hard questions and, you know, be honest with ourselves, you know, and I think it's just hearing people, you know, it's like, it doesn't make sense to me that 
my wife feels disrespected when I don't do dishes. Dishes don't mean anything to me or that I put crumbs on the counter or whatever. She doesn't, I don't, it doesn't, but that doesn't matter that it doesn't feel like that to me. It feels like that to her. So if if I just, if I'm focused on that and I'm like, but wait, I love her. I don't want her to feel like that. Then that's where the motivation has to come from. And just kind of having that process of what I consider to be a yogic inquiry uh, is what we're talking about. And, and I consider it practice. It's just an extension of practice. It's Absolutely. why we do breathing and moving. So you could do that. Well, and why I wouldn't, like the idea of him being downstairs watching TV and me being upstairs watching Netflix, which is not our story, but say it was, that's a very common one, sort of mm-hmm. living this like parallel play in the same home. Like I can't do that. You know, I said, and I, and he knows that, right? And I've said, like, I can't do that thing that a lot of other people out there are doing, where we like pretend to be in a relationship externally, but internally we're not. I am not built that way. You know, I was like, we got to figure this out and be here. Um, And that's what evolving sort of journaling and breathing and mat practice and nature, all the ways that I see yoga like be alive in my life, brings me back to that truth of what's really happening here. And that's one of Eric's questions that he he teaches all the time. What's the truth here? Really? He -hmm. says, you know, just sit, put your palms up. What's the truth here? Really? And that sometimes there's been moments in our marriage where that question, the answer is so painful Mm -hmm. because the truth here really is we're disconnected. And I think I'd be happier sort of alone. And so then I have to bring that to him and then we deal with that. Um, and I think that when you are married with someone, married to someone who's such an intense seeker, um, he needs his own support group <laughs> from like spouses yeah. of seekers, right? Because they'll be like, we're fine. Why do they keep asking these damn questions? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, but I just think about that because he's, you know, because I recently was with this like healer in, in Frederick, Maryland, and we were talking about this domestic life and spiritual life and you know, we were talking about sort of how do we bring this together when, you know, she's like, I know that you would be probably very content sort of on a hill, just reading and studying and practicing. Uh, And also there's so much joy to, uh, for me, for some of the domestic life pieces that I did not grow up in a home that had that. So there's something so deeply just nourishing and delicious about being with the kids after school with an after school snack and some of these like basic family things I did not have. Um, I just love. And so we were talking about that and she kept reminding me that I don't have to pick or choose. I can have both in this world. And that just Mm. felt so like, yes, that's what I, that's what I want to have. You know, that's right. I don't think they're exclusive of one another. And in fact, they're like opposite sides of the same coin. But my mind, I think, because I like to do things the right way and the deep way, and I also spent some time in Zen Buddhism, which also teaches that, and mm-hmm. I have that good girl quality sometimes that it's like, well, this, you know, if I live in, in uh, with Pema in Nova Scotia, like, then I will officially be a student. Yeah. You know, I have created in my mind, and also part of some of the lineages create that socially. They say, this is how you are a good student. That's right. right? And That's so right. I well, I, I met a guy named Eugene Krishnamurti, and he's a very obscure guy. And if you look him up on YouTube, you'll be like, who is this weird guy? But like the kind of the message that I got from him was, you don't need to do anything. Yeah. 
You don't need to do anything. Why are you trying to do so much? Yeah. And that was really very freeing. I was like, he's right, actually. I mean, it's a cliche, but we could all get hit by a bus in the next, you know, time we walk outside. So it really doesn't matter. (laughs) You don't need to do anything, actually. That doesn't mean we're not going to do stuff. But it's almost plays into a certain sensibility or mindset, what I would call like a a non-dual sensibility. Yeah. Where... I don't need to do anything and there's nowhere I need to get to because everything is entirely in place as it is right now. And now I'm going to do a bunch of stuff and try to express things that I feel and hear and be of service and use to other people and try to have a life that feels like a good life. Yeah. You know? um, okay. Well, that feels like a really nice place to end is just <laughs> thinking about that good life. Um, where, so now you're in Pennsylvania. If people want to find you, not on social media, but <laughs> yeah. I actually want to read some of your writing. You wrote something pretty controversial. I haven't had a chance to finish reading it. I just know mm-hmm. there's been talk from the Yoga Alliance. Oh, I have a lot yes. of friends who work there. Oh, shucks. Those so, dinging around. I thought yeah. it might. I'm, I'm scheduled to talk to Carrie, the board president. So I did that on purpose. I wanted her to know what I was thinking before she yeah. came on. I did it in a very public way, which I know is a little bit punky of me. But you know me for a long time trying to provoke some discernment. So to your question, jbrownyoga.com, everything's there, the blog and the podcast and online yoga video stuff. All of my things are there at uh, jbrownyoga.com. What, looking into next year, Jay, just to give people some inspiration, is there anything you're reading or studying or attending, like anything from your personal life that you're excited about moving into next year beyond or a conversation you have planned or anything that you're really excited about i'm i'm excited to kind of settle into this space that i got it was kind of the decision to get a space and to sort of see what i can do with it and we've made it into this great media production place where i'm doing podcasts and i have these subscription services where i'm live streaming classes and then i have this like teacher's class i'm doing so that stuff's been super exciting because that's also been a way where I'm really connecting with people or like, I'm actually, I got teachers around the world who like get up at two in the morning in Spain so they can hang out with other teachers and talk about stuff. You know, it's, so for me, it has been sort of like riding this line of like, well, how can I, can you use technologies that maybe in Facebook were being extractive and like not really serving my purpose. And can I actually DIY and use technologies to serve my purpose better? Uh, so I find that uh, very exciting. And I'm, I'm also just really back to something we said earlier in terms of my own evolution as a teacher. I am now no longer in Brooklyn. I don't have the center. I don't have to compete in the same way that I was having to compete before. And my own personal practice is certainly changing a, a bit in terms of my latter years and that's actually where I feel like when we were talking before about getting to the non-yoga people or whatever, we're like, I'm feeling more relatable <laughs> to, to a broader swath of humanity. And I'm, I'm interested in that. It even goes to like, oh, what do I teach to someone who doesn't need to be converted from power vinyasa yoga? who already is discovering things and is studied with Eric or studied with Donna. Do I have anything to offer that person? I don't know. Maybe they don't need me at all. But for me, those are kind of exciting questions where I feel like I'm at the edge of what I know. And 
discovery because there's a sense of awe and wonder to that spot right there. Always. And that's where I like to be. That's where I feel like even if the external world is like having a lot of really crappy things play out, I feel like I can resonate from this place where I, I feel like who I want to be. Um, I just want to say in closing that I really truly appreciate all of the conversations that you've initiated, the interviews, the guests, um, the questions. I know how scary it is or it can be to have conversations when you don't necessarily have an answer or uh, may possibly be afraid of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. We live in a world where people like to attack people very quickly um, and don't always take the human side and look at the bigger picture. And so I just really want to honor you coming back over and over uh, through all of the changes over the past few years. And I just really appreciate you and the work you do in the world. So thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you for getting it and just being a, another person out there doing the same kind of, uh, you know, delving. I really appreciate what you do too. Well, I hope to see you soon in person. Yes, I might be around. I'm not sure. We'll have to touch base. I'm traveling a little bit less this next year. I traveled a lot this year and just tried to see. And as I said, I'm subtracting some, but uh, maybe we Good. can pick up before long. And yeah, maybe Christina's place too. I haven't. Yeah, been yeah, I have. I actually do have a, a a date for her. A date with okay. her in 2019. So maybe okay, we can hook cool. up and have a tea or something. Yeah, and we also come. We like the. Crayola factory. Oh, I, you, you understand that I live like five minutes away from the Crayola factory. I meant to ask, factory. can you walk there? Oh yeah, we, we've had like annual memberships. They're getting a little bit older, but it's a cool yeah. place. If you're coming, you, let me you know. If you're going to be in town, you can come visit. We're like literally right there. I will, because the kids have been asking to go back and oh. had a great time when we went. So it's on that our That would be fun. <laughs> Don't hesitate. Let me know if you're planning okay. to come. <laughs> will do. Bye, right. Jay. Have a Bye. good afternoon. Cheers.